In this episode, we're going to talk with a sales and marketing expert on how you can build a business that provides you with predictable monthly income. We're going to find out how you can build a recurring business model where customers pay every month. That way you can spend less time getting new clients and even less time stressing about money. This is P is for Profit. You're listening to the P is for Profit podcast with Adam Lean, where it's not about how much you make. It's about how much you keep and how much freedom you enjoy. Welcome to P is for Profit. My name is Adam Lean, and I'm joined today by one of our CFOs, Osper Duran. We, along with the rest of the team at the CFO Project, are passionate about helping business owners improve the profitability of their business. Our guest today is a serial entrepreneur, marketing and business strategy, and a speaker. Bert Martinez, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Love, P is for profit. Just <laughs> not not only is it a great title, but uh, it's a great podcast. So I'm excited to be here with you guys. Oh well, uh, we're excited to have you. So, I mean, you help business owners create measurable results, and and according to your website, in the fast as fast as 48 hours. So we're really excited to jump in and find out what you do and how you do this. But before we dive in, tell us who you are and a little bit of your background and why you started working with business owners. Well, uh, I am uh, one of those individuals who I want to say, like, like a lot of entrepreneurs out there, I just thought I could do it better, right? I was working for a couple of companies, and, and I just thought I could do it better or, or at least do it well enough to kind of uh, forge a trail for myself and my family. And so back when I was uh, in my mid-20s, I, I, I launched into the entrepreneurship, uh, started my own marketing business, and lucky enough, was, was uh, fairly successful from the very beginning and have you know just been able to work with literally thousands of small business owners as well as some of, you know, some of the big companies out there that uh, I was surprised would even consider hiring me as a consultant. I've, I've been able to do some work for Google, uh, for CBS News, for CNN Media, and it's just amazing to me how the, the the basics of marketing sometimes get lost. It's just like just like we as humans, we tend to complicate things or overcomplicate things. And 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 when you start stepping away from the basics, that's when things get uh, fuzzier and fuzzier. And before you know it, you're scratching your head saying, "Man, why why aren't things working?" And it's usually because we've just gotten too far away from the from the basics. Mm. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. So, what do you what do you do now? So right now I do more or less the same thing I've always done, which is uh, marketing consulting. Uh, I help people figure out what's, what's working, what's not working, you know, why they're not in a profit situation or maybe why their sales have slumped. Mm. Uh, even in, in today's market, uh, it's a great market. Uh, the, the streets are lined with gold in, in our current economy. Everybody, you know, seems to be uh, successful in making money, but yet, we see companies that struggle every day. Uh, you know, just recently, Shuttle, uh, what's it called? Uh, Super Shuttle, which has been around for, I believe, 25 plus years. And these guys were iconic, an, an iconic transportation company that serviced most of the airports in the U.S. and even on some international levels. And because of changes in their market, Lyft and Uber and 
they they shut their doors as of mm-hmm. uh, you know as of like two weeks ago. They have some franchisees that are still operational, but they shut their doors because they couldn't anticipate the market. They they didn't uh, they could not grow their transportation business anymore, and the owners decided, hey, instead of doing a pivot or re uh, uh, redesigning the company, let's just close it down. So. Again, marketing is uh, is really the lifeblood of any company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And hey, Bert, let, let me ask you something. What, like, what common theme do you see like that a lot of small business owners struggle with? Like, I know you mentioned the marketing is a big component, but do you see a common theme that most of them struggle with? Great question. And yes, I do. So believe it or not, I have worked with companies that uh, are in the million dollar plus range. Mm-hmm. And the number one most common theme is that they've lost the identity of their ideal client. And again, it always impresses me that somebody can grow their company and, 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 and not understand who their ideal customer is. And I'll, and I'll give you an example of, of two companies that are in the same industry but have slightly different customers. And so you have Domino's Pizza and then you have Grimaldi's, which is a gourmet pizza place. They're, you know, and, and even though they both sell pizzas, you can go to Domino's and you can get a large pizza. They'll probably run you about 15 or $20, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, if you go to Grimaldi's, it's a gourmet pizza place, and a pizza there, the same size pizza, is going to cost you about $40. And the difference is, is that Domino's knows who their market is and Grimaldi's, knows who their market is. And, and the, even though they sell what seems on the surface to be a very similar product, people want a, a, a different experience. And so they market to different people and, and, and they tailor their message to fit that market. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, you know, to the example you gave, the Domino's, you know, I, I remember Domino's 10 years ago versus what it is now. Um you know, I walk in and everything is almost very self-service. So you can definitely see that they're tailoring and focusing on their customers being those that are, I'd say, more millennial and who just want to go in and type in a number and get their pizza in and out. Sure. That's a very and good example you, you gave. Yeah. And if you look at the Domino's pizza history, they mm-hmm. made a lot of their money from the broke or frugal crowd. When I say broke, the you know, they marketed to... If you remember uh, when they first started, they were 30 minutes or it's free kind of a thing, and they were marketing themselves really to uh, a lot of people in the college campuses. And then, of course, they grew from there and they started marketing themselves to uh, to the neighborhoods. And they they are still a well-known brand that markets themselves to somebody who, let's say, is more budget conscious, you know, and who do, who don't want to spend you know thirty or forty or fifty dollars on a pizza? Hey, I want them. I want my pizza. I want it now. And and you know they they know who their market is. Exactly. Yeah. So I want to go back to something that you said uh, a little earlier that I want to dig a little more a little bit more in. You said that uh, you know a lot of business owners uh, forget the basics of marketing. So what are the basics of marketing that everybody, whether they just started or they they've been in business for twenty years, need to to keep in mind. Sure. So the, the, the number one thing is you have to know who your customers are. You have to understand who that customer is 
really on an emotional level. All marketing is emotional. And, you know, there's a lot of confusion out there where there's some people who will say, hey, we buy with emotion, but we justify with logic. And logic <laughs> is also an emotion. It's the emotion that you have eliminated your risk. It's the emotion of certainty. Hey, I've checked off all the, all the possible issues, and therefore I feel confident. I feel certain that moving forward is going to be the, the, the number one thing is you have to know who your customers are. You have to understand who that customer is really on an emotional level. All marketing is emotional. And, you know, there's a lot of confusion out there where there's some people who will say, hey, we buy with emotion, but we justify with logic. And logic <laughs> is also an emotion. It's the emotion that you have eliminated your risk. It's the emotion of certainty. Hey, I've checked off all the, all the possible issues and therefore, I feel confident, I feel certain that moving forward is going to be a good decision for me. That's logic, and it's, and it's emotional. Even though Bach would, uh, would argue with me, it really is an emotion. And so the number one thing is you have to know who your customer is, and you have to know why they are emotionally triggered or how they're emotionally triggered. And it's different for everybody. Some people want to save time. Some people want to save money. Some people want to increase their credibility or their authority. And I use the example of, of let's say, a Rolls Royce. You know, uh, you're, you're buying that car not just for transportation to get you from point A to point B, but to let everybody know that you're cool, that you've arrived, that you have a certain level of success. It's a prestige piece, just like buying a Rolex. Um, so you have to know what emotions trigger your customers what keeps them up at night for example if you sell insurance uh, what is keeping your customer up at night well maybe that customer is, is tossing and turning about how he how is he going to protect his family how is he going to uh, afford to pay for college and so there are certain financial instruments and, and, and insurance instruments that might fit that customer's needs so number one thing is know your customer know their emotion and that's what i mean by that the number two is the number two thing is is that your message must resonate with your customer. So uh, the message then um, uh, the message then helps you decide what media to use. So maybe it's direct mail because you're selling a very upscale product. I have a customer right now who uh, serves. Uh, uh, he has a jet charter company. And so he's serving CEOs and CFOs and people who are who are time constrained and they don't care they don't care to spend three or four hours lounging around in an airport. They got to you know they got to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible. Sometimes it's a security thing, uh, so it's it's that message. Uh, so those are the the real basics. And what happens is you see some customers that drift away from who their ideal customer is, uh, and they try to do, you know, uh, they, try, they try to have too many messages, and, and that typically fails. But, uh, yeah, the number one thing is you got to know your customer. you got to know what triggers them. you got to know uh, what, how to deliver that message to that customer. And, uh, and, and, and then after that, uh, you have to be able to um, measure and track how your marketing is working.
And then, and then the last thing is the follow-up. So with today's technology, somebody could go visit your website, not, not uh, opt-in or anything, but they just visit your website. And with today's technology, we can track who that customer is and be able to show them more content, whether they go to, let's say, from your website to Facebook to Amazon to, you know, whatever other website they go to, we can literally follow them throughout the internet in a kind of a creepy, stocky way, uh, but it works because now they see your message all over the place, and uh, that's what it takes. It takes multiple impressions of the same message before we as a consumer understand that this is a brand that serves one of my needs. I think you, you, uh, you actually brought up a really good point about you know tracking uh, sort of these things that we call, like when we work with our uh, clients is uh, KPIs, key performance indicators. Um, and so I think, you know, I want to really highlight that point that you mentioned is important to track kind of where your clientele is coming from from a marketing perspective so that you can really, you know, grow your business and become profitable. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm glad you brought up the KPI. So a lot of people don't track any kind of uh, uh, KPIs. They, they don't track anything. So uh, you, you know, from a CFL, CFO point of view, there is some of the things that most people miss. And this is, again, basic information is what does it cost you mm -hmm. to acquire a customer? How much is that initial sale? And then what is the lifetime value of that customer? And, exactly. and those three, those three uh, indicators are so vitally important. And I think that a lot of people miss those. They, again, they strive, you know, they, they may start there and then they, you know, forget and they go, you know, because entrepreneurs are, are, are typically creative people and they'll focus mm -hmm. on their craft or their focus on sales, but it takes a real special individual to focus on the numbers and the numbers make all the difference. The numbers don't lie. The numbers tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. So it's, it's, it's vitally important to know those those indicators. Right, right, exactly. And I want to kind of segue into something that, you know, you talk a lot about, and I've seen some of your videos on, on just the word eliminating fear. Um, and I think as like, as an entrepreneur, you know, can, can you tell me what does it mean to eliminate my fear, especially if I want to continue to grow a business and, you know, really become uh, where I want the company to be at? Sure. Great question. I think that the difference between somebody who is an entrepreneur and somebody who isn't is that they have a certain amount of, uh, they've overcome a certain amount of fear because it is scary to quit a job and start a company. And, and, and however you use uh, whatever term that you use, some people don't like to use the word scared because that's not manly enough. So they'll say, hey, it's stressful. Uh, you know, so whatever words or terms that you use, I like to use the word scared or fear because that's ultimately what it is. It's a very strong emotion. Uh, and so the difference between the person who makes a hundred grand a year and the person who makes a million dollars a year in sales is the mindset. And part of that mindset is your comfort with being uncomfortable, your comfort with taking risk. And so the, uh, so the more, let me rephrase that, the, the less fear you have or the more risk you're willing to take, two things are going to happen. You're going to make uh, 
you're going to make more mistakes because uh, things don't always work out. So maybe it's not. So maybe the word mistake isn't the right word, but you're going to have results you don't like, but you're also going to have results you do like. And, and so the person who's willing to risk, who's willing to risk their comfort zone, who's willing to say, "Hey, this scares me, but I'm going to do it anyway," that kind of mindset typically separates people who. Uh, you never get out of that hundred thousand or two hundred thousand dollar a year income range. And don't get me wrong, if you have a business that's making you two or three hundred grand a year, uh, you're you're it's it's not a bad business to have. Uh, but you know, as you guys probably know, most businesses never break a million dollars. Why? Because the people in charge are scared uh, to push further, right? Uh, to look at the numbers, to to maybe get get a consultant and say, hey, we're at 300 grand and we want to get to 500 grand. How do we do that? So uh, fear, fear can sometimes motivate us, but 80% of the time, I think fear just kind of paralyzes us, right? And and we are, we're so focused on, let's say, uh, failing. And man, if if I fail, I'm going to look bad to my peers. My wife might yell at me. Uh, you know, I I. Uh, I'm going to look foolish, so therefore I'll just play it safe. And playing it safe seldom gives us the result we want. I mean, it, it, it makes sense. How, but how do you uh, how do you push through that? How do you work through that? Because everybody's going to have fear, but fear, if you but if to get to the next level, how do you push through that? That's a great question. So when I'm when I'm hit squarely in the face with something that scares me. The, the the first thing I look at is uh, what if I don't do it? So maybe you can use fear to motivate you by looking at what will happen if you don't do it. If you don't take this chance and open up your business, what is the lifetime effect? Well, you know, I'm not going to be fulfilled. I'm not going to be able to uh, help my family or impact my family as much as I want. I'm going to be in a, I'm going to be a, I'm going to stay with a job that's going to control my time as well as my wealth. So that's pretty scary too. Uh, if you're if you're already an entrepreneur and you're thinking, man, I'm at this million dollar mark and I want to push harder, further, faster. Uh, again, you got to look at what if I don't do it. That is also uh, scary. And then what would have to be what would have to be true for me to move to move uh, beyond the sphere that I have. Uh, and, and so you have to find out the, what, what assumptions have to be true. If, if this was true, could I move forward? And most people, if they, if, they, if they sift through it, they will realize that they have more to gain than they have to lose. And just because you have a thriving business today, we know that that doesn't mean anything. And, and, and uh, you, you look at Blockbuster. Blockbuster was this uh, the biggest uh, rental, uh, video rental, uh, entertainment rental company uh, in the world at one point. They got so focused, they were so afraid that, hey, if we, uh, if we start trying to do stuff online, we're going to stray from our clients and, and, and all this other stuff. And what we saw happen with Blockbuster because they were so afraid and they didn't take action. I think uh, 
a lot of people don't know this, but they had a chance. Uh, Netflix approached Blockbuster, and they actually met with Netflix twice and decided that that this this doing this DVD stuff via mail and, and going on online wasn't going to be for them. Uh, five years after their first meeting, they finally started to do the Blockbuster on uh, Blockbuster Home, which is their online service, and they started to try to compete with the, uh, with uh, Netflix. But by that time, it was too late. They were having some internal struggles. And 10 years from the first time they met with, with uh, Netflix, they're filing for bankruptcy. So that's what, I, that's what I mean by allowing your fears to not only stop you, but if they would have looked at this, if they would have looked at this and said, man, if we don't do something, we could lose this multi-billion dollar business that we've created and we could have, uh, you know, we could, uh, you know, we, we could lose everything. And that fear would have probably got them, got them to take action quicker, better, faster. The other thing that, uh, believe it or not, the other thing that works really good with overcoming your fear is a simple affirmation. Uh, we are constantly, when I say we, we as humans are constantly talking to ourselves, and most of the stuff that we say is based in fear and based in negativity, uh, you know, we don't go around talking to ourselves saying, hey, man, you're doing a good job and you'll and 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 you'll be, be you, you, you'll do better tomorrow. And you're, you're a smart person. And and and, you know, we, we don't have these uh, uplifting, affirming conversations. Most of the time, it's all negative. Uh, you know, what are you doing? Uh, you know, uh, uh, should you, you know, should you be doing this? Uh, wh what if uh, people laugh at you? all this other stuff. And, uh, you know, and then we call ourselves names. Oh, I can't believe you screwed that up. You're so stupid. So changing the way we talk to ourselves has a huge impact on breaking through fear. And it's, you know, for us guys, I, I relate a lot, a lot of it to asking, asking a girl out to dance or asking a girl out for a date. It can be scary, but we all feel better asking a girl out than not asking her out. We may get rejected, but if we don't take action, you know, as, as Wayne Gretzky would say, you know, uh, you, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. That's the other thing to focus on is what if it goes the way I think it's going to go? Not to be crazy optimistic, you know, but to, to look at, at it and say, man, I think there's a good possibility that this will work. And if this does work, it's going to result in this, that, and the other thing. So using fear as a way to motivate you, changing the way you talk to yourself, and looking at what the result is going to be. How is it going to impact my life or my business or my family as, this, as, as we move forward and this thing goes the way I think it might go? So just to let people know, it's a process. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. Uh, but just like anything else, you can, you can learn how to quash fear little by little, right? So you, you, you deal with your fear today mm -hmm. and, and maybe you take a, a, a baby step towards a goal that scares you and you realize, oh, the world didn't end. Okay, so maybe I'll take another step. Uh, and then one of the other things I look at is some, some of the people that, uh, that have come before me that we have in today's age, there's a lot of people that are taking massive risks. Uh, Elon Musk, I mean, look at Elon Musk. He, he had enough money 
to uh, do his SpaceX mission three times. All three of those times failed. And everybody told him, don't do it anymore. You know, this will bankrupt you. Uh, you know, you're going you're gonna to lose everything if you launch this thing one more time. He, he didn't listen to the naysayers. He, uh, he did it one more time. That rocket ship worked perfectly. It landed perfectly. And he got a $2 billion contract from NASA. So, you know, that how we talk to ourselves, our mindset is so critically important in business, in, in reaching our goals in, in all of our lives. Yeah, and I think um, I want to bring this up too. I, you know, I know you uh, you have a book, uh, Dominating Your Mind, and, and it goes right to 10 simple affirmations that'll crush your fears, destroy your doubts, and, and make you unstoppable. And, uh, you know, I have the sample in here. And, and I mean, just right, I think what you just said is basically kind of summarizing the entire book. And um, you hit on a lot of good points about, you know, being mentally positive. And it really becomes into, you know, once you become so positive and have that mindset into doing what you want to do, it becomes a belief system. Um, so I'm glad you touched on those points. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you for the plugging the book. And so, yeah, you look at somebody like a like a Schwarzenegger who has become a friend of mine, and I profile him in the book and stuff like that. You know, here's a guy who, by most people's standards, should not have been who's not, who should not have been as successful as he has has he as he's been. But when you look at his mindset, and this is the thing that I've learned from him, this guy is not afraid of hard work. Um, and, and so he, Arnold became famous first from his bodybuilding stuff. And, and back then, the top bodybuilder in the world would get like $1,500 for winning the Mr. Olympia, as opposed to they, today, they get like $500,000. And so uh, he's in a sport that most people make fun of that has no recognition whatsoever, as opposed to like, let's say football or soccer. And, and he's doing it anyway. So he becomes, uh, he, he becomes a, a champion there. And he says that uh, that was the thing that he learned how to do was to work really, really hard and to make his goals come true. And, and of course, you know, he's, he's been a movie star and, and a governor and, and everybody in the world can make fun of his accent or at least imitate him on some level. And, uh, but when you look at it on a superficial level, it doesn't make sense that this guy would do all the stuff that he does. But yet he's got this crazy, over-the-top self-belief that I can do it, and therefore he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yep. Very powerful. I've I've been taking a lot of notes myself. <laughs> we're we're almost out of time, but I did want to touch on the you know your you talk a lot about uh, you're a big proponent of creating a re- a reoccurring business model. Can you explain what that is and, and sort of a high level view of, of what somebody could do to, to incorporate that in their business? Sure. And this is so important. Uh, so whether you are, uh, let's say a restaurant, uh, a recurring model for a restaurant is maybe you could be a, uh, the restaurant starts a VIP club and that VIP club is, uh, let's say, I don't know, $50 a month. And for $50 a month, you get, uh, let's say, a meal for two people at the restaurant once a month. And 
And so whether those people show up or not, they're going to get that $50. Or maybe you're going to do a wine club at that restaurant. And it's, it's a recurring model. It's a, it, it, again, it's, let's say it's a $50 membership or a $100 membership. And once or twice a month, you have a wine tasting event at that restaurant. It's a recurring model. It also helps you sell more of your product. So it's a win-win. You're literally creating a model where your best customers are paying you to become better customers. Uh, lawyers can do this, especially business lawyers who are constantly uh, being asked to draft uh, specific contracts, let's say a non-compete. So yeah, the attorney might be able to make more money if he drafts one individually, but the reality is that's not necessary. Why don't you make less money, but have it as a recurring model where maybe your, your business clients get the five or six or 10 most popular contracts that they're gonna need, and again, it's a membership model where they pay whatever, 100 bucks a month, and you have access to these documents, or you have access to you know, a certain amount of legal advice, or you know, it's a club, or call it a legal club. And so this works for almost any business. Uh, we did this, for example, we did this with a, a carpet cleaning service where they had two levels of recurring membership, and one of them was, we'll come and do your your carpets uh, four times a year, and one was like, you do your carpet two times a year. And it was kind of a, you know, there was a, they knew that no matter what, they had this money coming in. So if you're a consultant, uh, a nice recurring model for a consultant is having a course, uh, having some kind of program where maybe it's, you know, it, it, again, you sell it for, whatever you want, hundred bucks a month, a thousand bucks a month, uh, obviously it has to have the value uh, or more than the value than you're asking for it. So the, the recurring model is, two, is, is multiple things. One of them, it's a great way for people to get to know, like, and trust you. And they're risking a little bit of money to do that. Uh, and it's a great way for, for you to be able to uh, say, hey, great, I'm so glad you're at this level of membership. Uh, if you need more, if you need more of my help, then I'm here for you and we can do all these other services for you. So it's a great way of decreasing your marketing costs substantially. Also, it will, uh, in some cases, it will cover all of your expenses uh, for the month. So most people just have to uh, be creative and figure out how can I produce a recurring model in my business? And there's, I want to say, usually we can find one or two things that somebody can do on a recurring uh, automated basis where it doesn't take any more time for that entrepreneur, that consultant, that lawyer, that doctor, but yet they're still getting that revenue. Mm. Oh, that's very powerful. We can, we could do a whole episode just on, on, on reoccurring business model. You know, Bert, thank you so much for being our guest today. So one last question, where can people find you online? Well, so uh, for those who are listening to the show, I, I do want to uh, let them know that they can get my book for free. Since you mentioned it, they can go to dominatingyourmind.com and then get the book there for free and uh, dominatingyourmind.com. And, and all they're going to do is pay for a little shipping or they can go to Amazon and pay retail for the book plus shipping. 
So, but if you go to dominatingyourmind.com, uh, then get it there for free. Uh, if you're looking for help, if you want some ideas, if you want to just, uh, you know, if you're looking for maybe a speaker or a consultant or just want to brainstorm an idea, bertmartinez.com might, you know, uh, we're glad to help you and, and see if there's, uh, we can point you in the right direction and glad to do that for free as well. Excellent. Yeah. So we'll put those links in the show notes. So dominatingyourmind.com for the book and the book's called Dominating Your Mind and then also bertmartinez.com and we'll put those in the show notes. Thank you again for being here, Bert. This was, this was very valuable. I took a lot of notes myself um, and thank everybody for listening. Uh, and remember the goal of your business should be to make more profit than last year and turn that into cash that you get to keep. Have a wonderful rest yes. of your day. The P is for Profit podcast is sponsored by the CFO Project. We help small business owners and entrepreneurs pocket bigger profits. If you're ready to discover the five changes required to boost your profits this quarter, you'll want to attend our latest presentation, Why Your Small Business Might Not Be As Profitable As It Should Be. Register at the CFO Project.com slash video.